Welcome to the Healthy Heart Show, where we're touching the matters of your heart. I am your host, Alicia Lewis Potter. Let's get healthy. It's the Healthy Heart Show, Heart Show, Heart Show. Touching the matters of your heart. Health and start. It's the Healthy Heart Show, Heart Show, Heart Show. Touching the matters of your heart, helping you get your new start. It's the healthy heart show. Touching the matters of your heart, helping you get your new start. It's the healthy heart show. And welcome to another healthy edition of the Healthy Heart Show. I am your host, Alicia Lewis Potter. We are touching the matters of your heart, and we want to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you're listening from, from all around the world. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day or evening. You know, we're uh, gearing up for the eclipse that's getting ready to happen here in the United States. People are buying all kinds of 3D glasses and traveling hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of miles just to see this thing happens see the I guess the the moon cover the sun and it's going to get dark for a few minutes <laughs> I tell you it feels like it's already dark doesn't it uh, we've had some events happen uh, in our country that make us question really where our heart is and we're going to be talking about that I have a guest uh, coming up later in the show and I cannot wait for you to hear what he has to share with us. You know, President Obama, he made history this week. Yes, he uh, posted one of the most most liked tweets uh, uh, ever. Uh, and talking about, you know, what happened uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And we're going to read that tweet for you just a little bit later in the show. But uh, free speech rally was cut short after thousands of counter protesters flooded the streets of Boston yesterday. Uh, Saturday, around 15,000 counter protests marched through the streets of Boston to condemn neo-Nazis and white nationalists as white ring Activists planned a free speech rally, and there were hundreds of police officers on hand to prevent a repeat of the violence that descended on Charlottesville last week and left a woman dead. But in the end, the rally seems to have disbanded early after the conservative activists were vastly outnumbered by the counter protesters. Organizers of the free speech rally had distanced themselves from white supremacists, but there was still widespread fear that violent neo-Nazi groups would show up in Boston. In the end, only a couple of dozen of conservative activists went to the rally that was held on the Boston Common, and they left early as thousands of counter-protesters descended on the downtown city park. Police escorted a few dozen attendees out of the area and into police cars for their own safety. One of the scheduled speakers at the rally said the whole thing quickly fell apart, noting that he didn't realize how unplanned of an event it was going to be. Earlier, the rally organizers took pains to emphasize that they were not looking for trouble and blamed 
quote, media hysteria for the connection between their events and the violent white supremacists who were in Charlottesville last week. Quote, I think we've taken pretty much every precaution, not only with Boston police, but with the other organizers to make sure our message is clear. It is unified and it is one that is anti-hate and pro-peace. And that is a quote from the rally organizer, John Medler. And that's what he told WBUR earlier on Saturday. But the connection was also based on experience. A previous free speech rally that had been held in Boston in May included lots of the same white supremacist groups that were present in Charlottesville. That rally at the time went largely unnoticed. Now, many felt a renewed sense of obligation to make it clear they were not okay with this type of gathering. Ignoring a problem has never solved it, one of the organizers of the march said. We cannot continue to ignore racism. Many of the counter-protesters said that regardless of what the organizers said, the rally that was supposed to be for, quote, free speech was really all about hate speech. A Boston resident that was there said, I think as a country, you have a right to have free speech. But there's a difference to me with hateful speech and free speech. And a lot of what the separatists are saying is hateful speech. And there's not a place for that in our country. As they chanted things like, no Trump, no KKK, no fastest USA, counter-protesters carried signs that read, resist. Mm. I tell you, we are living in a time, according to uh, the scriptures, 2 Timothy 3 and 1, that tells us to know that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And these are truly some perilous times that we are living in a time that you know we really need to check our heart and so back to that tweet that Obama had tweeted you know basically he was quoting Nelson Mandela by saying that no one no one was born into this country with hate or discrimination in their heart no one and so what does that mean that means that at some point we either learn to do it or we chose to do it. And so we just have to make a different choice. I'm so happy um, that we have a guest on our show later on today that's going to talk, um, you know, speak truth to power and really speak to our hearts, you know, just about where we are as a nation, what direction we really need to, to be need to be headed. And for those of us that are in the body of Christ, who we call the church, um, you know, really what we need to be focusing on in this hour. All of that and much more are coming up after great music for you off of the top of the Christian Billboard charts. You're listening to The Healthy Heart Show. I'm your host, Alicia Lewis-Potter. Stay tuned.
to the Healthy Heart Show. I am your host, Alicia Lewis-Potter. As you know, we always love to have guests with us uh, in our studio. I'm not in the studio uh, tonight, though, doing this interview out here in the beautiful uh, courtyard Marriott right here out in Salisbury, Maryland. Here with me is Bishop Kelvin Cobaris of the Impact Church in Orlando, Florida. He's been pastoring that church for 19 years and uh, just kind of grabbed him on the spot today, asking him would he have a healthy conversation with us um, tonight, and I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, you are one of the most 100 uh, influential voices in Central Florida. Um, tell me why that is. Well, I guess when God gives you a voice and uh, he gives you words that uh, cause you to respond and impact lives, uh, doors open and your gift makes room for you. And yes. as a result of that, I'm one of those voices. That's powerful. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, people will remember you by that iconic photo from last year at the Orlando nightclub shooting. Um, why is it so important, do you think, for um, spiritual leaders to be a voice and a presence in the community, particularly at such a painful time. And we'll talk about really uh, what happened last weekend. But but why do you think it's important for leaders such as yourself to have that presence? I think it's important because, of course, from the Old Testament to now, uh, spiritual leaders have been the voice to speak truth to power, to speak healing to nations. And I believe that God allows certain things to happen to give the church an opportunity to speak and to bring the restoration and to restore breaches. Mm-hmm. So I believe that uh, spiritual voices are significant and necessary in this hour to speak to the issues. Yeah, yeah, speak to the issues. And people really need to hear a, a voice of, of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. People are trying to understand the, the yes. question why. Bringing us to what you talked about this weekend um, in our services, uh, you you gave the church a, a plea, and, and that was to, to stay awake. Why was it so important for you to bring that type of message 
in this hour in light of what happened in Charlottesville last weekend? I think that when we look at the, the tone and the tension uh, in our nation today, what God began to reveal to me is that while there are racial uh, discrepancies and divisions and separations throughout the USA, and while there's a lot of other malice and violence and different things going on, we're not just to find ourselves focused on one thing over the other, but the reality is the church needs to be alert because sometimes we're so focused on going to heaven and being with the Lord forever that we forget that we have a mission on earth, and that is to speak truth and lead people to transformation through the word and power of God. Mm. You know, Bishop, you talked today in, in light of that about the young woman who lost her life in the protest last weekend in Charlottesville. And you mentioned her post, which was so profound, that if you um, aren't outraged by what's going on, right. then you're not paying attention. Um, then why do you think it is that some in Christendom are not paying attention, and willfully so? I think uh, in Romans 12, it said, I beg you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies and getting uh, just paraphrased and saying, be not conformed to this world. And I think what's happening to Christendom today is we are pattering after this world. We are getting comfortable in a place that we are not meant to stay. Mm -hmm. And as a result of getting comfortable and pattering after this world, we end up getting distracted mm -hmm. uh, uh, from the things that we need to be giving attention to and focus on things that we should give no thought to. And I believe that the message stay woke came for, with God reminding us again that the church needs to not only sleep, because when you look at the context of that scripture in Ephesians 5, he said, arise from the dead, which implies that the church is dead, not just sleep, but the church mm -hmm. needs to get out of their coffin and wake up and realize that all of this stuff is going on around us, but it's an indictment against us because if we don't speak, if we don't heal, if we don't lead people to Jesus, who will? Ah, that's powerful. I was thinking today, um, just as is preparing to talk to you about Martin Luther King Jr. and how he knew his assignment and was willing to die for it. And you mentioned that today in your sermon that, you know, you are we willing to die um, for something that we believe in as believers? Um, when we look at people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and who are willing to die for, for, for what they're passionate about, but do you are you surprised by the difference um, between the church of today and the church of uh, the 1950s and 60s and before that time, where they were they were out there in the streets, they were protesting, they were vocal. Are you surprised by the difference? I'm not surprised at all because what is happening is is the more this modern day church gains blessings and favor and all these provisions, the more comfortable they become in enjoying those blessings and they lose focus on what they've been called to do where when you rewind back to the 50s, they had nothing. <laughs> they had mm. nothing but Jesus to depend on. They didn't have money. They didn't have anything but their faith and hope in God. Mm. And as a result of that, it was always uh, that driving force to lead them to speak to the issues where the church of the day is comfortable and relaxed. When you speak to other leaders in your capacity, what are you hearing from them about what we see with the racial tensions rising to the surface again in our country? Are they concerned? It really depends upon who you ask. Uh, for the most part, our urban leaders are concerned because many of them, the different age groups, have lived through this before. And those who are younger who have not experienced what happened in the 60s know history. 
and they are appalled that in 2017 we're now again dealing with the same issues. But I guess where I am as a ministerial leader in our community trying to urge our community, instead of just getting outraged and getting mad and talking about it, your outrage and being angry and all of that should move us to be a part of the change, yeah. be a part of what 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 makes the difference. How do you how do you get them to do that? <laughs> and, I guess, and I guess the way you get them to do that, everybody's not going to do it. It's the same way. How do you get churches to reach outside of their four walls and touch the community? Some of them think that all they're supposed to do is wait on uh, sinners to come and, and and you know we'll receive you. When in reality, the Lord told us to go. He gave us a directive to go, and we're waiting when we should go. And I, and I kind of remind pastors of that. You have the responsibility to set the tone in your church. Mm. Your people that are under you do what you lead them to do. And if you do nothing, mm. they do nothing. If you say nothing, they say nothing. However, if you sound the alarm and, and, and make it a sense of urgency that we get involved, that's when you'll see the people of God beginning to get motivated when they see their leaders lead. Yeah, that's powerful, see, seeing your leaders lead. I want to talk a little bit about your role as a spiritual advisor to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Um, what is it that they're looking for from spiritual leaders as they try to repair their relationships with the community? Our sheriff and chief of police are born-again believers, and that's a plus. Wow. As a result of that, they look for spiritual guidance from pastors, number one, to say, hey, tell us how we can basically build up the morale and get our officers where they need to be and, and, and leading in integrity in the community. And then from us, what they need is, since we're really the voice of the community, at the end of the day, when pastors speak, in most cases, people listen, we need you to use your platforms to insist that even if there is police brutality, the response to that is not you rioting and, and, yeah. and returning uh, evil with evil. Yeah. But there's a proper way and an appropriate way to carry out different things to bring things to justice. Mm. And this needs to be spoken from your platform. And at the same time, educate your people on what to do when they're stopped by the police, how to mm. file a complaint mm -hmm. if there's an officer mm -hmm. out of line. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. create opportunities for uh, community events that brings the communities and law enforcement together just yeah. to get to know one another. Yeah. Your relationships. Yeah, uh, there's been some uh, some deaths that happened in your community. Just uh, I think just today or last night, last night. Uh, with some police officers there. Do, do you find that there's a, a sense of, of fear that uh, the law enforcement have in the community? And that was my concern. I know that there's a sense of fear because when you stop, you just don't know who you're going to encounter and what reaction these individuals are going to have when a law enforcement approaches them. And as a result of that, I believe that it has law enforcement looking at everybody the same when they make a stop. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially those in the urban community, us as blacks, as black males in particular, mm -hmm. you're already intimidated by your size. You're intimidated, unfortunately, by the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, that causes police officers to respond to you differently. And I think that they are in fear. And this happening last night only stirs the pot more to put them like, no, we got to, you know, we got to be on high alert because you don't know. And this is where pastors, I believe, come in that we've got to, again, urge the people in the community to say, hey, when you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. If you know about things, we can prevent some things before it happened mm -hmm. by maybe kind of talking to these parties, turning them in or what have you mm -hmm. before we lose an officer's life or a community mm -hmm. person, a citizen, mm -hmm. uh, because of making mm -hmm. a bad decision. So mm -hmm. there is a high alert of officers, and that's, again, where pastors play a great part of being a voice to the community. Being a voice to the community. I want to thank you so much for being that. As Before we um, 
you know, end our interview tonight, I want to ask you, um, going back to what we started talking about in terms of um, the racial tensions that are um, unmasking in our country, um, the leadership that we have um, has much to do with um, the heat that's been turned up on on that. If, if you were advising the President of the United States, um, what would you say to him in this hour? Wow, that's a loaded question because I would have <laughs> so much to say to him, but I'm sure I would be in a room with others that had things to say. But if I could say anything to him, I would say, Mr. President, I just want to ask you a question. Do you understand the depth and the responsibility of the office that you hold and sit in? Do you understand the oath that you have taken? And when you speak and when you make decisions and when you do anything, the weight that it carries and the effect that it has on not just you, but everybody, not just in USA, you're the leader of the free world of the entire mm. world. Mm. And depending on his response, I would just again give him some scriptures that let him know the importance of leadership, how things rise and fall on leadership, how life and death is in the power of our tongue. And before we speak, we need to get all of the information and begin to process and seek counsel and not just seek counsel, but actually listen to your counsel and apply some of the things that they're telling you so that some of these mistakes we won't have to make and say, oops, I'm sorry, when the damage is already done. Yeah. And I believe that our president is surrounded by some significant leaders uh, that I have respect for. However, I'm, I'm a little uh, uh, baffled by some of them with their silence with what is going on because I believe that they have a responsibility when something is wrong, when there's an injustice, not just to pray. Prayer is good, but faith without works is dead. you got to speak truth in order for transformation to come. Mm -hmm. The truth sets mm -hmm. people free, mm -hmm. but if he does not hear it and you're just sitting there saying, I'm mm -hmm. praying for you, things will remain the same. And I would really advise him to understand the weight of his position, how his decisions and words impact people, and really try to help him uh, get a clue and understanding of what the tone is uh, in the places that he's not. Mm, which is mainly in our community. <laughs> That's powerful. You mentioned um, Heather Heyer quite quite a bit today in your sermon. Is there anything you'd like to say to her family uh, to bring them some consolation and help them to kind of come to terms? I would like to say that uh, Heather Heyer uh, is a is a hero, and she's a hero in the context that this young lady saw injustice taking place in Virginia. And she didn't just get outraged about it, but she actually went out on the front lines to stand against hate, to stand against racism. And what moved me the most is it cost her life. What I want our black constituents to understand is don't drink the Kool-Aid of racism and just say, oh, this is all about hate. Because Heather was a white woman who was basically standing on our side saying what the Nazis and the KKK was doing was wrong. And as a result of it, a white man who was a Nazi, what have you, got in his car, ran her down and took her life, and she died for a cause of standing for what's just. And as I said this morning, if Heather, who's not ordained, if, who's, if, who's, if Heather, who's not a community leader, can stand up for, for what is right, what about the church? What about us as leaders? What about people who are called out, who are spirit-filled, who have the power and who have the ability to get out and make a difference? What will we do? Let Heather be our model of how we should respond in this time and not just pray, 
not just sit back, but stand on the front line and make a difference. Stand on the front line and make a difference, and that is a tremendous charge that we all must um, take on uh, if we want to see change happen in our community. Thank you so much, Bishop Kobaris, for joining the Healthy thank Heart you. Show tonight. We wish you the best. Oh, thank you. And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Healthy Heart Show. People say, Tim, yo, you're my hero. How you do it? How you stay strong? Let them all know there's so much that I've been through. I have my days when it's true, y'all. I just can't smile. I just want to cry. It ain't easy. Sometimes it's work just to be alive. But when I think of the goodness that's come to me, it's easier to let go. That I'm not having it So shake a good look in the mirror Say to yourself I've come to fight to quit So say I'm good Good enough to love myself Good enough to have success What you gain from all your stress Just the freedom to know that you are blessed Good enough to handle my business Good enough to raise my kids Best is the best And honestly I'm happy for where I'm at Because I'm confident I reply with every now and then but life comes down to two things and that's rejection and acceptance so I reject that there's no peace and I accept that I am free that's all I have to be that's all I ever need cause when I think of the goodness that's come to me That I'm not having it Just take a good look in the mirror Say to yourself I've come to fight to quit So say I'm good Good enough to love myself Good enough to have success What you gain from all your stress Is the freedom to know that God is blessed I'm good Good enough to handle my fears Good enough to raise my kids Best is the best And honestly I'm happy for where I'm at Because I'm my I'ma say it loud and clear And you listen So you hit me Then you never will again You're good enough to get that job You're good enough to drop that car And on top of all these things You're good enough to have your dreams Yeah Yeah Ooh Yeah, 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 yeah Hey Come on, let me hear you say Good enough to handle my business. Good enough to raise my kids. 
I'm Bishop Kelvin L. Cabarrus of Orlando, Florida, and you're listening to The Healthy Heart Show. Think for 
And it's time for our Healthy Heart Inspirational Story of the Week. You know, we love bringing you good stories from all across the world, from everyday people just like me and you. This story uh, was submitted by Norman Willis, and it's called From Hell to Harvard. My name is Norman K. Willis, and my journey has been one filled with achievement, pain, and a positive attitude. I wrote my first book at 18, sold an app years later, and now I speak and teach for a living. I come from a single-parent household. My grandparents aided in raising me until about 11. My mother was stabbed when I was younger by my own father, and he spent 11 years in jail because of it. Luckily, she survived. I was always very precautious growing up, even testing to move up two grades before I went to middle school. I was offered the chance to go to a private school, but unfortunately didn't go, so I was stuck in one of those worst high schools in the district. Times were very hard. It was no longer about my school, but survival. Many of my friends got in fights, joined gangs, But I remained the same. The one thing that saved me was football. Unfortunately, my senior year, I quit due to stress-related issues and people stealing my cleats. I just couldn't take it anymore. I graduated with honors and continued my education. And now I've just been accepted to Harvard. I tell people all the time, I'm not supposed to be here. But I am so very glad and happy that I am. What a powerful, inspirational story from Norman Willis. And, you know, I have to say that every one of you has been born into this earth for a reason. And your pain is your purpose. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28 that we are confident that God is able to work all things and bring them together for good to them that love him and who are the called according to his purpose. And so you have to know that you are one of God's called precious children and you're called to him, to serve him, to love him and to let him love you and to let him show you that he can be everything you need him to be in your life. And that with him, you can do all things and nothing is impossible to them who believe. That's it for me. Thanks for tuning in. Catch up with us next week. Like us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is The Healthy Heart Show with Alicia Lewis Potter. And make sure that you follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter as The Healthy Heart Show, S-H-O. And do you have a show idea or would you like to share one of your inspirational stories with us? You can hit us up on healthyheartshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you then.
telling me I got the job. Just got a proof of the new crib, picking up the keys to mine. The sun is shining brighter than it ever has, no. Oh, I'm smiling more now than I've ever had. Lord, it was nobody but you. My daughter's about to graduate with all A's. That's the news. The sun is shining brighter than it ever has. Ooh. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for that. Get your bounce on, get your bounce on. Don't be cute with it, you gotta get, come on. Fifth one, fourth one. Come on. 
I wanna hear some horns. 